So that's a blessing to hear them growing and uh, coming up to have a part in our services. And so let's take our Bibles this evening and go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. Mark, chapter number 4. And uh, really just wanting to, to seek the Lord here this evening and um, asking what the Lord would have us to, to study. And, and there's been several things that have been on my heart and mind over the last um, really several months being here and uh, in the school and just the direction that the, we want to take the, the young people and so forth. And, and um, ultimately, we need God to work is what it boils down to. There's so many needs represented in this church body. Um, there's so many needs represented in the youth group and in the school and, and in this area. And God has to do an amazing work. That's the only way things are going to, to get accomplished. But at the same time, we need to have a heart that is willing to hear from the Lord. And so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture this evening, um, Mark chapter number 4, and it deals with the heart and our receptiveness to the Word of God, and if we're willing to hear what the Lord has for us. And so Mark chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. Now let me just stop and mention here that, uh, you know, in our day and age, we, we live among a, a, a group of Christianity that doesn't want to emphasize doctrine. And yet when the Lord Jesus Christ preached, he preached doctrine. The Bible says that they marveled at his doctrine. He is one that um, taught having authority. And uh, he preached doctrine. And doctrines all through the Bible, amen, and we cannot separate the truth of Christ from, uh, and who He is um, from His doctrine. And so that's just something to consider there as we look at this passage. Verse number 3, he makes a statement, hearken. That word hearken is uh, dealing with uh, the idea of you need to pay attention. Hearken, hearken, listen. There is something that I'm about to say in other passages, he might use the word verily, verily. But in this passage, he uses the word hearken. And the idea is, listen to me. So he starts this lesson with the word hearken. You go to verse number 3 again, hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell, referring to the seed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, that it sprang up, that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. Look at what he says here in this next statement. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so he tells them, If you have ears to hear, you need to listen. So he starts this parable with the word hearken. He ends the parable stating, If you have ears to hear, hear. Listen to what I am teaching you. And so we're going to study this evening about our receptiveness to the Word of God and really tie that into the revival meeting that's coming up. And ultimately, God wants to do a great work. He can do a great work, 
but a lot of it depends on how much we're willing to receive. And so with that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, as we come to you, Lord, I thank you for your willingness to cry out to the multitudes and to preach the word unto them and to give them doctrine, to give them your word. God, I pray that as we study this passage of Scripture that you help us to see that every single one of us here tonight, uh, our heart is represented by one of these types of grounds, Lord. And if we don't let your word work in our heart, um, it, it is, uh, it's, just, it's vital. We need you to work. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to see the importance of you working and that we would hearken, God, that we would listen. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we consider the word of God and how Jesus preached uh, among uh, the people, this particular passage, he is preaching to a multitude of people. In the next few verses that we'll read here in a few moments, he goes to his disciples and begins to explain in depth what, what this parable meant. And so he went from multitudes down to just a handful of people to preach to. And I'm thankful that as we look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he, he was willing to deal with both groups of people. And that's something to consider when we consider ministry in general. Um, so often churches, um, for the most part in our um, our type of society, bigger means better. And if a church is bigger, that means it's better. But that's not true. Amen? Um, I read the Word of God, and I see Jesus with the multitudes, but then I see Him with 12. And He invested in both groups. Why? Because both groups are important. The multitudes are important, and the small few is important as well. And when I consider that so often, I remember um, preachers preaching to us in Bible college, and they would often say that uh, you ought not to be so high-minded to think that you can't preach to just a handful of people. Amen? And I think about that over and over, and that has been the majority of our ministry. As, as we look at our ministry in Taos, we were there for 10 years and, and so forth, and there's been times whenever um, we'd preach to just five people. Amen. But they need to hear the word of God as much as the, the 50 people, as much as the 500 people, and as much as even the 5,000 people. Um, people need to hear the word of God. And, and so we look at this passage, and Jesus preaches to multitudes. And in the next verses that we will study, he's dealing alone with the 12. He's willing to go to the many and to the few. And in this, uh, this preaching ministry that Jesus has, um, so often he, he relates the ministry to the agricultural industry. You remember the, the, the time when Jesus was there in John chapter 4 and there was the, the woman that he dealt with, the woman at the well. And, and he, he deals with this woman who um, had a, 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 just a host of sins and, and she was an immoral woman. And, and Jesus must needs go through Samaria and he went to that woman and dealt with her one on one. And, and I'm thankful that he is willing to go to the one. And I'm reminded of, of even um, the Philip in, in Acts chapter number 8, Philip the evangelist. He went to a city in Samaria and the whole city with great joy gave heed to the things which he spoke the word of God says and there was rejoicing in that city the word of God says and, and there's revival happening and people are getting saved and, and God's doing a work and, and the spirit of God told him to go out to a desert and he went from um, hundreds of people from an entire city that had received the Lord to reach one person the Ethiopian eunuch 
And you see that ability to go back and forth. And Jesus, you see him doing the same thing as well with the woman at the well reaching the one. But whenever the disciples come back from the city with food, Jesus made the statement that he has meat to eat that they know not of. And they asked if anyone had fed them. And he says, look, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, is what he said. And then he looked, he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to harvest. And as he said that, the woman that had been... Um, a vulgar woman and she had gone saved she went back and told the people of the Savior and how that Jesus can save anyone anyone she said come see a man that's told me all things ever I did is not this the Christ and and as she said that the the people came to see Jesus there and as they came Jesus said lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to harvest that's John chapter 4 Jesus preaches in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, and, and he's healing people, and, and he's uh, casting out demons, and he's doing these great works, and as he looks about, the Bible says that he, he would teach, and, and he would preach, and, and the Bible says that he would look on the multitudes with compassion, and he said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest, and again, he compares the ministry to the agricultural industry. And let me just say this here this evening. We're in prayer meeting uh, this evening before church service, and Brother Charles mentioned the, uh, the need for a church in Santa Rosa. You know, when we were at Real Grand Baptist Church in Albuquerque about 12 years ago, when God called us into to church planting, we went up to Taos, and that's where um, God had called us. But before we went to Taos, we prayed, and I drove all the way from Albuquerque to Santa Rosa and considered going out there to start a church in Santa Rosa. And we drove out there one Saturday afternoon after visitation. Just drove. And uh, we drove. And then on the way back, our air conditioner went back. And it was a summer. And it was hot in that car. We had the windows rolled down, going on the highway, freeway open. Elissa was just in the car seat, not even a year old, and trying to give her water and all that kind of stuff because her face was flush. And it, it was just hot. But we drove out there. To, to look and consider and pray about starting a church out there. Um, God didn't open up the door for that. We ended up going to Taos, and that's where we were at um, for the last uh, 10 years. But um, there is a need. There is a need. You read in the Gospel of Mark, and, and you see Jesus going about doing his ministry. And you look at that. And let's go back to Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 37 real quickly. We're going to get back into the passage that we started in. But Mark chapter 1 and verse number 37 after he had cast out a demon and healed a person, um, Jesus, it says, And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And verse 38, And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And so you see Jesus is out preaching and he's going from city to city to city preaching. And the reason he is doing that is because he, he looks on the cities and he sees the needs that are there. And, and again, he compares it often to um, the agricultural industry and, and to crops and to farming. And, and he says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. And he says, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray there for the Lord of the harvest. And, and Jesus, while he is God in the flesh, he limited himself to becoming a man. And he could only be at one place at one time. That's why he had to go from city to city to city. And there came a point when he said, look it, we need to pray that God will raise up laborers. And, and we think of 
a place like Santa Rosa, we think of a place like uh, um, Cuesta, we think of a place like Penasco, we think of a place like Cuba, New Mexico, and I can go on and on and on about all the different areas and, and the need for a gospel witness to go out and to preach the gospel. We need laborers tonight. We need laborers. And I'm praying that God will raise up laborers and that God will call men to go out and preach the gospel and that God will call ladies who will go out and be faithful and serve in places and teach a children's class and be ready to open a Bible and, and share the gospel and that God will raise up laborers because there's a need in our state tonight. But as we look at this, Jesus gives this illustration and, and the simple fact is this, that as he went out from town to town and he looked out at the host of people and the, the multitudes of faces and the sea of humanity, person after person after person, and, and people group after people group, he, he would look out and he'd see these people and, and every single one of them, he knew their hearts. And every single one of them, their heart fell under one of these four um, fields or these four types of grounds here. He looks to Valley Bible Baptist Church tonight. And we fall under one of these four categories of grounds. Now, there's been much debate about um, whether or not everyone in these groups got saved. I can say for sure there's one group we know that isn't saved. And there's for sure one group we know that is saved. But the other two groups in the middle, there is room for speculation. And I'm not here to debate that tonight. But the simple fact is this, that regardless of where a person is right now, the simple fact is this, that our hearts could either be hard or soft. And Jesus made the statement, hearken, hearken, listen. There's, a, there's something I'm trying to give to you. Put attention, listen to what I have to say. And you look further down in verse number 9. He said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him here. And so you see this idea of them needing to, to hear. And you go further down to verse number uh, 12, um, that seeing they may um, see and, and per not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand us at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And this, that statement of scripture is pulled out of Isaiah chapter 6 where uh, people can hear and they can't hear. It's interesting. Um, Brother Abel and I were talking, we went out to the uh, um, youth conference back in uh, um, August, and it was a blessing to take a bunch of young people out there, and, and we would tell the young people to do things, and would you believe that sometimes they didn't listen, amen, and they wouldn't do what we asked them to do. And I asked Brother Abel if he would say something, and he made a statement to me, and I never forgot it. It's only been a few months, so if I forgot it by now, I'm getting old. And man, I got a white hair somewhere over here. But Brother Abel made a statement. He says, they don't hear my voice. They don't hear my voice. They don't hear me. And we could tell them something, but that doesn't mean they listen. They hear it with their ears, but do they really Hear it. And often it was in directing the young people, we need to be here, we need to do this, don't do this, don't do that, and a lot of instruction and so forth, but they don't hear me. They don't hear my voice. And, and then there came a point whenever I told them to do something, and lo and behold, they didn't hear my voice either. They heard, but they didn't listen. So often, when it comes to the things of God, we hear, but are we listening? Do we receive that which has been given to us? As we look at this passage of Scripture, another thought to consider is the simple fact that 
When Jesus gives this illustration of sowing the seed of the word of God, he talks about the wayside, that's the road, that's the ground that's trodden down upon. You ever um, see paths where they're trodden on and, and things don't grow? The other day, Brother Dominic and I went out to his hunting unit and I was showing him some of the forest roads where we've seen elk and different things like that. He hadn't been on there much and so we went, got down and parked and we began to walk and I said, this is about where we were at, where we killed our elk and, and that kind of thing. We went to the other side of the mountain. I didn't show him exactly where it was because that's our spot, amen? But I took him out there, amen? And so I took him out there and uh, really the reason we couldn't get to our spot is because there was a park, a, a car, a truck parked right in the road between trees that you couldn't go around and there's some hunters walking and they blocked the road so no one can go back there, which if you hunt, don't be that person, amen? Don't be that person. But nevertheless, we're out there and, and we go across some, some spots and there's some down trees, some, some aspen and, and different things and, and we start to smell something and you can smell the, the bulls and, and that kind of thing and you smell the, the estrus, you can smell the, 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 the cow, elk, and you can, you can start to smell them. They're getting ready for rut and that time of the year. You can smell it. It's strong and it's a distinct smell. And we came across a game trail. And you can see the path where they travel and the path where they walk. And, and we said, man, this is a game trail. You see the droppings there. And the thing is, the, the path where they walk is trodden over and over and over and over. All the ground around it is lush. All the ground around it, there's things growing, mint and raspberries and all these different types of plants that are there. But right in those spots that's traveled well, it's hard. Nothing grows there. That could be our heart where we become hard, where we become hard to the things of God. And you look at that, it's like a road. And so you see that Jesus is talking about sowing seed, and there's this wayside, the path that is traveled, the path that is hard. There's stony ground, and we've seen that as well. And as we climbed over the mountain there in Truchas, um, there was some stony ground. Amen. A lot of stones there. And, and we saw raspberries growing. I found a raspberry tree or plant a, or bush. They, they don't grow in trees, but a, a little, some leaves popping up. And there's some raspberries uh, growing there in the stony ground. It's amazing to see that there, the raspberries that were there. And you see there's the, among the thorns. And you ever been to a place where there's just a bunch of weeds growing and, and that kind of thing, the thorns and the thistles. And then there's the, the good ground. And, and yet, regardless Regardless of the type of ground that was represented, Jesus distributed the seed equally. That there was no discrimination as to how he sowed the seed. He gave everybody an equal opportunity to respond to the gospel. Because the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. And as we consider that thought, I'm thankful for the fact that everybody has the opportunity to receive the word of God. Everybody has the opportunity to respond to the word of God. And so he spreads it out um, unconditionally there. He sows the seed and some falls on the wayside and some falls on the stony ground. Some falls on the on the on the the, the thorns and, and some falls on, on good ground and, and you see that there that he, he sowed it indiscriminately. He sowed the seed. Everyone had an opportunity but yet there's only a few that actually listen. There's only a few that actually receive. There's a very slight few that actually bear fruit and it's on the good ground. And so he says again, Mark 4 verse 9, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When you think about that, I read in the Bible, and I looked in the book of Revelation. We're not going to turn there, but I look in the book of Revelation, and Jesus is addressing the different churches throughout Asia, and these were literal physical churches. They are visible churches. It wasn't some kind of mystical, um, universal kind of church thing that he's talking about. These were literal churches that had literal pastors, and they had a literal congregation. 
and they had needs, they had strong points and weak points. And Jesus would tell them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. You hear, but are you hearing? You, you hear, but are you listening? And, and so we can hear. How, how many of us have, have been in a church service where a person preaches the Word of God and deals with the situation? Everyone hears it, but how many people listened? How many people took it to heart? And so that's what Jesus is dealing with, this, the receptiveness that's there. And so there's the four categories of people. There's the, the wayside, there's the, the stony ground, there's the, 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 the thorns, and then there's the, the good ground. And of that good ground, uh, they, they bring forth different, different uh, levels of fruit. And, and let me just also add this, that when, when you think about that, um, it says that some bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100, meaning um, the, the amount of ability that they're able to produce. And, and and understand this tonight, um, 30 isn't 100, and 100 isn't 30. And if you're a 30-fold Christian, praise God, amen. Don't compare yourself to a 100-fold Christian. And if you're a 100-fold Christian and you're able to produce fruit, don't look down on others who don't produce as much fruit as you, amen. And we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says that is not wise. And so you do what God has allowed you to do, and you produce the fruit that God enables you to produce. And, and don't compare yourselves to other people. Just look to God and thank Him for what He allows you to have in your life, amen. And so we see that there. So... There's these different types of grounds, and, and the issue between everyone, or let's put it this way, every one of them has a specific type of issue that causes it to, to not be what God wants it to be. So you go to verse number 14, Mark chapter 4, and verse 14, and the Bible says, The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. And then he says in verse 15, These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard Satan cometh, immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so you see here that they, they didn't even receive any of the word. Their, their, their heart was so hard that there was not an ability for the seed to, to germinate and to begin the, the process of life, so to say. It was just hard. Have you ever met a person that's just hard to the things of God? We meet them all the time. Just even yesterday, there, there was, um, we had the, the yard sale, and we we're giving out the gospel tracts. And, and as the people would buy, we'd say, hey, let's invite you to church. And we have a revival meeting. In the back of the house, some Bible verses. And, and it was a blessing to go out and, and be able to give out tracts to everybody that came in. And, and out of all the people, there's one person um, that wouldn't take a tract. They just wouldn't take the tract. And I said, I'd like to invite you to church. Oh, no, thank you. Nope, nope, that's it. And, and you think about that, that, that represents really a person who's hard. I've seen that over and over and over again where, where people are hard. There, there's time once we went up to, in Taos, we were at this, um, it's called Stray Cats Cafe, and, and uh, they, they have all these coffees and things like that, kind of a coffee shop and, and all that. And we went in there, and, and later on we found out that it was kind of creepy, the stuff they do. They're very, very new agey, and they would get these rocks, and each rock represented a different energy and vibe and, and all that. And you put your rock inside your drink, and you drink it, and you get the energy from the rock and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it's just a bunch of hippie stuff up there. And and uh, we're kind of used to the, the hippie stuff, but um, not that we condone it, but we're used to it. It's all around us everywhere we go. And everywhere we go, there's always some kind of hippie. Hey, man, it's just how it is. Even one time on our five-year anniversary, we went out to California, New Mexico, or to California, New Mexico. We went out to Santa Monica, uh, California, and uh, we 
were there uh, celebrating our five-year anniversary. And as we were there, we got this hotel, and we did the Priceline thing and, and all that. And they put us in Santa Monica, California, but they really put us in Venice Beach. And it's like taking towels and putting it right on the beach. Hey, man, it's like, man, we can't get away from hippies no matter where we go. But uh, that's just how it is. And, and the thing about it, we were at that Stray Cats place and uh and there's a lady there i never seen this before in my life we have a gospel track that has a cross on it and we give it to people and i said i'd like to give you something to read after we had um made our purchase and i never seen this before but the lady looked at the tract and and her eyes like physically changed and i could see the reflection of the tract in her eyes her pupils got like that big and i saw the reflections and she says no i am not having this and she gave us back the tract with anger I'm thinking, man. And I said, I thought you believed in tolerance. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, um, I did. And, uh, you know, they tolerate everybody but the Christians, amen. And so, and she got mad, started yelling at us in the store and all that. And I walked out, and, and the lady walk, was walking in. She said, what's going on in there? And I said, someone who preaches tolerance doesn't practice what they preach. And I just kept on going and that kind of thing. And that, that was it. But just the hardness of heart. We were out knocking doors once, inviting people to church and sharing the gospel. And I opened, the, the person opened the door, and they're from somewhere in the deep south. And they said, you're you're here too? I said, what do you mean? You Bible-thumping Christians, you're here too? And I said, yeah. And then she said, we moved away from the South to get away from people like you. That's what she told us. Talk about hard. You, you can't even, even plant a seed. Just so hardened to the things of God. And that's how this seed is represented here, just the hardness. I, I look at that, and I talk about the hippies and all that kind of stuff, but I see it among all types of religions. And it, you see people that are just hard to the things of God, hard to the Word of God. They will not receive the Word of God. And, and you see that uh, it is over and over, and it's happening more and more in this generation. But then you see the verse number 16, the stony ground. It says, these are um, they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You know, when, like I said, we're climbing over the mountain there and through Joss Peak, I, I took a picture of this... Um, raspberry bush that was growing and I use that as an illustration for the young people it doesn't matter where you're planted just grow and, and that kind of thing and let me say this it doesn't matter where you're planted just grow amen and so just always remember that but in the context of this the stony ground it's easy just to go down there and just pluck it up you could just pl and it could be growing look pretty big you just get your hand in there and pull it out and it just it's easy and, and you look at that and the reason that it's easily overthrown it says because of affliction or persecution for the word's sake. When push comes to shove and we see who is serious about the word of God, these people, they just, they don't stand for the word. It reminds me of Peter the night before Jesus is crucified. And they, they asked if he was one of the disciples. And, and what did Jesus do? He cowered. And he said he didn't know him. He began to curse even. I, I don't know him. And what was it? Persecution arose for the word's sake. And you see that illustration there that they didn't bear the fruit that God wanted them to. And there's no growth that's there all because of the persecution for the word's sake. And let me just ask us this. Are we willing to take a stand for Christ? Are we really willing to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? There's going to come a day whenever we will be persecuted for the word of God. 
I think of a man um, by the name of Belteshazzar Hubmeyer. That's a hard name to say. An old Anabaptist preacher from the 1500s. And he, he was friends with the Protestant preacher. And let me just say this here tonight. Baptists are not Protestants because we didn't protest out of the Catholic Church. Um, Baptist doctrine has gone all the way back to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We are not Protestants. But this man was an affiliation with Protestants, but he, he recognized the fact that um, infant baptism is not biblical and, and, and shunned the Protestant movement because even Protestants are practicing infant baptism. And let me say this, infant baptism is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. It's a man-made belief, and it's not in the Bible. Jesus never taught it. The apostles never taught it. The early church never taught it. It is nowhere in the Bible. Nevertheless, um, this, this Mr. Hubmeyer, Belteshazzar Hubmeyer, said, I can't be part of the Protestant movement because of this. And he joined affiliation with the Anabaptist. And they took him, and they persecuted him, and they threw him in prison, and they tortured him. And they finally got him to a point of breaking where he said, I will recant what I believe. And they got him up before a trial, and, and a man by the name of Zwingli um, gave a sermon about uh, heretics who reject infant baptism and uh, so-called heretics and talking about the Anabaptist, our forefathers, mind you. And uh, Belteshazzar Hubmeyer got up and he was getting ready to recant and broken and feeble, shaking and weak because of his imprisonment, looked out to the crowd and began to preach the gospel and said, I cannot recant what I believe. Infant baptism is of the devil. And they took him and they ended up uh, putting him in a work camp and worked him to death and eventually, well, they worked him to his near death and then they killed him um, for what he believed. And I think about that and I think of the fact that we have it easy in America. We truly do. When persecution arises, will we stand firm for the things of God? Will we stand firm for the things of God? This group of people, affliction, persecution arises, they're gone. And you look at the next ground. Verse number 18, it says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. But look at the next statement. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So there's these things that choke the growth of it. And it compares it to the cares of this world. And let me just ask us this. Are there the... Are there things of this world that suck the energy and life out of us so that we can't live for God? You know, I was uh, talking with my uncle once, and it, it, it kind of put, put us down to, to make it blunt. But I thought it was kind of funny the way he said this. Um, he said, man, I wish I wasn't so worldly. We, I wish we were just like you, or we didn't have to get all the newest things. And so it's not that we don't want the newest things. It's we can't afford the newest things, hey amen? It's just being a church planter, just how it is, and, and that kind of thing. But, but he said just worldly, and he made the statement there that we're just worldly. And anything that comes out new, I have to buy. You know, the newest phone, the newest bow, the newest rifle, the newest, um, you know, scope, the newest, um, you know, camel gear, because he's into hunting and stuff as well, the newest fly rods and all these things, and I have to get this and that, and then all it does is end up just collecting dust in my garage, and then I sell it for a fraction of the cost of what I paid for it, brand new, and I think of that, just the cares of this world, just the things that take our resources there, and the deceitfulness of riches, and, and the idea of riches, and let me say this, I understand we, we live in a society where we need to work and pay our bills, and we should work and pay our bills, amen, I'm not trying to neglect that, but there comes a point whenever just the, the vanity of wealth 
becomes present and you see the vanity that's there and, and people chase after that. I, I remember even being in Bible college and there were men that they, they were surrendered to preach and they wanted to serve God and, and so forth. One particular man I think of right now, he, he said that God called him to be a missionary, but he married a young lady who was very materialistic. And to make a long story short, he, he barely goes to church and, and he, he does, but that's just about it and he don't serve God anymore. He's not preaching anymore. None of those things because of materialism. What's that? The, the, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. He, he got a good paying job as a salesman and, and realized he could make a lot of money in a short amount of time and he began to do that and, and he's no longer um, so-called called to preach. My, Bible's, my Bible says the gifts and calling to God are without repentance, but yet this man said that, well, I was called, but I'm not anymore. Why? Because I got to take care of my wife. The deceitfulness of riches. Materialism. Yes, we should take care of our wives. But Gucci and all these other things, I mean, come on. Come on, the deceitfulness of riches. And it says, in the lust of other things, those are the things that keep us and they take our resources. You know, we live in a society today where we need the latest and the greatest. And I'm a tech nerd. Amen. I'm into technology and all that. And I like having some of the latest things because it helps me do what I need to do. But the simple fact is this, that I was going through a laptop every two years. I'd burn them out. I'd burn them out. Finally, I said, I'm going to get one that's going to last me a few years. And it did. It lasted me about 10 years. I'm thankful for that. But so often, anytime something new comes out, people just want it. We went out to California once for Thanksgiving. And, you know, Thanksgiving, there's the um, Black Friday. And we've all seen the Black Friday shopping and all that. And it's neat to see... Um, sometimes you can get some really good deals and all that. And, and I like to go Black Friday shopping. You say, why is that? Because you can go to the mall and get Panda Express at 6 o'clock in the morning. Amen. There I am eating orange chicken there all early in the morning. I love it. But, but we were in California, and uh, we were, I went to Best Buy, and it was before Thanksgiving. Black Friday happens the Friday after Thanksgiving. I went like on a Monday before Thanksgiving, and there was a security officer there at the door, and there was chairs all lined up where people went and they were literally camping outside of the Best Buy. And here's what they were doing. I talked with one of the guys, and, he said, and I said, do you have anything in mind you want to buy? He says, no, I'm just here to sell my spot. I'm going to camp here, and come um, door-busting time, um, someone's going to want this first spot, and I'm going to sell it to them for $500. And they were doing that just to get into Best Buy to buy a TV to save $500. I mean, you think about that, it's just... I mean, come on. But the deceitfulness of riches and, and, and the lust of other things. And, and you see that people, that just materialism causes them to not serve God, causes them to not hear the word of God. So we see all these negative grounds, but then there's this other ground. You look at verse number 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold and some sixty and some and hundred. And as we look at this, all of this revolves around the ability to receive the word of God. That's why Jesus said, hearken. That's why Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the simple fact is this, that those other grounds, while they heard the word of God, it didn't produce the same result as this ground. This ground, not only did it receive the word, but it took root, and it began to grow, and it began to bear fruit. And, and all because it received it and allowed it itself to be nurtured, and it didn't allow the other things to cause it to stop growing. 
It didn't allow the persecution to cause it to stop growing. Uh, again, as we think about persecution, some of us are ashamed to be Christians. Some of us, our co-workers don't even know we're Christians. Our family doesn't even know we're Christians. The people down our street don't even know we're Christians because we hide it. We don't want others to know. And what kind of testimony do we have? Then there's those who, who are caught up in the things of this world. And because the world um, so sucks their resources, they're not able to do what God wants them to do. But then there's this good ground that it does grow and it does bear fruit and yes some is 30 some is 60 some is 100 but praise God that it's bearing fruit it's bearing fruit and I want to challenge us tonight that we would be like this good ground that we we come to hear what God has for us we don't come to church to get out we come to hear from God we, we come to be in the fellowship among God's people we come to praise God and, and give him his worship that's do his name and to, to sing unto him and to give to the things of God and we come with the a readiness to hear. You know, you think about that. Do you really come to hear from God? Or are you here just because your family's here? Let me, let me ask you this here tonight. Just a, a simple thought. Young people, let me ask you this. If your parents weren't around, would you be in church right now? If your parents didn't drag you to church, would you be in church? Sadly, there are some young people that should be here, but they're not. Because... It's not a priority to them. And sadly, sometimes it's because it's not a priority to parents. I'm going to say this, I'm not preaching to the people who aren't here. I'm preaching to the people who are here. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being um, faithful to the Lord and, and being in the house of God and, and bringing your family to God and, and sitting here faithfully week after week after week after week. But if your parents weren't here, young people, would you be here? If your grandparents weren't here, would you be here still? If mom or dad or brother or sister or someone that influences you for the things of God, if they died and went to heaven, would you still be in church after they died? Would you? Are you genuinely faithful to the things of God? And so I just I want to throw that out there. But looking at this, let's be good ground. Let's have the type of heart that listens to the word of God. It's interesting. Whenever you read about the children of Israel going into the promised land, and there's several times whenever God is sending revival to his people there in the Old Testament, and whenever he sends the prophets, um, they, they made the statement several times in the Bible, prepare your hearts. Elijah told the people, prepare your hearts. Oh, excuse me, Samuel told the people, prepare your hearts. Uh, what, what kind of heart do we have? Uh, are we receptive? The Bible says in, in, in the prophets that we're to, to break up the fallow ground of our heart. That's the hard ground, to break that up so that we could be a person that would receive the word of God. Is there hardness in our heart? Is there um, worldliness in our heart? Is there carnality in our heart? Is there a shame for the things of God in our heart? If there is, we need to let God take his word, which is like a, which is like a hammer that breaketh the rock to pieces and let it crush our heart and, and and break our hearts so that we could receive the word of God. I remind you about the prophet named Jeremiah. When God called him, he was but a youth, the Bible says. And he was afraid of their faces. And God said not to fear them. And, and Jeremiah even came to a point when he wanted to quit on preaching. But he said, his word was in my heart as a fire burning within me. And I was weary with forbearing. And I could not stay. I have to get out and preach the word of God even if no one listens. But God told him. I'm going to send you out, and you're going to tear down. You're going to root up, and you're going to destroy. And then you're going to plant, and then you're going to build. You ever find an old house that needs remodeling? The funnest day on a job site. 
demo day. Amen? You got to tear things up before you can build. You, you got to break some holes and walls. Me and Brother Benjamin, we were up in Los Alamos, and there's these tin can houses that we're working on, and we're trying to unscrew the, the studs because they're aluminum, and some of them wouldn't unscrew. Well, you know what we got? We got the sledgehammer, and boom! We just sit there slamming, and he'd always do a much better job than me because he's a lot stronger. And I remember I was in one room, and, and I'm trying to hit the hammer, and I can't, and I hear him just swinging away, and man, I have to stand on top of a five-gallon bucket just so I could reach the top and all that kind of stuff. But there we were, just, just tearing things up. You look at the finished product. It's amazing the work that could be done. But there has to be some, some breaking. There has to be some demolition. There has to be some breaking of the fallow ground. And so I ask us this evening, are we hard? Have we hardened to certain things? Do we hear, but do we listen? And as we think about this revival that's coming, no doubt God will speak. I believe he already is speaking. Well, what kind of heart are we going to have? Are we going to receive the word of God? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's have a heart that hears. Let's have ears that hear. Let's receive what the word that is preached is so that we would bear the fruit that God wants us to. And if we have to break up the fallow ground, if we have to do some demolition in our life, so be it. So be it. Let's let God do that work in our hearts. And so with that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father.